previously on Modular. Bradley and Quinn faced down the mighty manticore and won. They met the local midwife, Adabra Gwen, and realized she was much sassier than your average apothecary. Back in Fandolin, Bradley prayed with the holy woman, Sister Gurele, and he put on a show for the good people in town. He met some... interesting nobles, carried his drunken friend Quinn back to his bed, well, not his bed, and now has set off towards Dwarven Mines in search of more adventure. Welcome. My name is Luke Job. My name is Thorin George. And this is Modular. The podcast where we take you through the modules written by Wizards of the Coast for the fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons. That's right. These are the pre-written adventures made by the guys and gals and non-binary folks who made up Dungeons and Dragons. We didn't write them, but we're here to run them for you. Why do we do that, Luke? Well, Thorin, maybe you're a DM who's thinking about running a particular campaign and you want to get a feel for how it plays out. Maybe you're a player who's already been in this particular campaign, and you want to reminisce on the good old days. Maybe you're about to go to college in Arizona, and you're feeling a little bit nervous, so you listen to this podcast to, you know, relieve your stress. That sounds nice. But y'all should be warned. Each of our episodes will take on a part of these pre-written adventures. That means there are going to be major spoilers for the key plot points of each story. And Thorin, there is another warning we should offer them. Ah. <sighs> That's right, Luke. Modular is not a podcast for kids. It contains explicit language, as well as adult themes like sex, alcohol, drug use, traffic infractions, and violence. So please be aware of these not-so-kid-friendly themes. Thorin, without further ado, let's welcome them to Modular. And our session four of Dragon of Ice Spire Peak. When you woke, it was the same as every time you've camped out on these adventures with Quinn. There was a bit of snow on you. It wasn't surprising, but a bit chilly. You and Quinn were maybe oddly quiet as the two of you packed up your your camp and set off towards this mine. It's, it's odd for the two of you. Uh, you haven't seen a dragon. You haven't heard a dragon but you know he's out there, and you know what he represents isn't good. The two of you walk quite a bit, but eventually you begin to walk into a canyon. It, it slopes slowly, so at first it's flat, but you know you're following the canyon as its walls begin to rise. The canyon's rocky walls rise to a height of 80 feet. At the end of the canyon... A 20-foot-high wall of black stone 
has a broken gate carved into it, with one stone door hanging precariously by a hinge and the other door missing completely. Beyond this open gate, in the shadow of a great mountain to the east, lies a ruined settlement. All is quiet. I turn to Quinn, and I look at him and I say, Has that always been there? That ruined settlement? Um, I mean, that's what they're mining now. You know, they've they've gone in and it's... Uh, maybe it was Gnomish, maybe it was Dwarvish, I, I can't tell you for sure, but uh, I, I've heard of the settlement, and I guess they went into the mountain and they kept digging deeper. Uh, so the, uh, it wasn't, this wasn't a recent ruin, is what you're telling me? No, no, I'd say not. Okay, well then that's all that matters. Around you, the canyon is, is very bare, um, it's harsh land. There's no vegetation. Um, you, you being a half-elf, kind of... It's hard for you to imagine people living like this. Um, Quinn looks in and he says, uh, I don't see too good in the dark. Mr. Copper, you don't have to have a torch on you. I don't believe that I do. Right. Hold on, let me see. I'm going to dig around through my bag, which is uh, really me just looking through my items. I have a candle. <laughs> uh, as you pull it out, Quinn says, mm, that'll, that'll do. I can take that. I mean, it's the best that I've got. <laughs> um, I could also cast Fairy Fire on you. Um. No, don't want to be giving any enemies advantage on me if, if there's some bad guys in there. Ah, yes. Well, then, candle it is. Candle it is. Um, he takes the, the lit candle. He says, it's lit, fam. And the two of you <laughs> walk into this ruined settlement. Um, you and Quinn kind of discuss amongst yourselves. You don't even know what the name of this is. Uh, once again, you don't know who... Uh, the original inhabitants are. If you want to make me a history check, you can, but you already kind of stated that you didn't really know much about it, so I would have you roll that with disadvantage. That's fine. I mean, do I even know who we're looking for? You just know you're looking for some dwarven miners to warn them yeah. about this dragon. There's only two of them, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. So disadvantage, I got a six. Uh, Yeah, nothing. Um, Judging from the size, I mean... They're, all the buildings are really just, it's the foundations, right? It's just like two yeah. foot, three high, two or two or three foot high um, walls with, you know, they're, they've all been crushed, no ceilings to speak of. So you don't know how small these people were, how big they were. Um, and there's nothing of value. Very clearly, it's been, it's been ransacked more than once. It seems As, this was definitely a place for raiders to get their kicks. At one point, but, you know, in a way, Mr. Copper, it's kind of nice that there's nothing of value left. It means probably, you know, we won't have to be worrying about bandits ourselves. True. I suspect you... the worst thing we'll have to worry about is a misplaced bear. Uh, yeah, I don't like bears too much. Let's hope we don't see one. 
the two of you walk through the settlement, and it, it's eerie for you. There's no doubt. I mean, people used to live here, and it's a ghost town. But it's more than that. It's it's not like someone could come in here and just fix it back up in a day. You wouldn't want to take shelter here. You know, it almost feels haunted. Eventually, you kind of round a bend to your right, uh, go past an old well. Um, it's just filled with rubble. Doesn't you couldn't even get water out of there if you tried. And you see a partially collapsed 10-foot high wall. It separates this courtyard you're in, uh, you're walking into, from the settlement west of it that you're walking out of. Three heaps of rubble are piled high in this area, hewn from the canyon's back wall. A 30-foot high temple facade features steps rising to a stone platform. Cut into this facade is a 10-foot high open doorway, flanked by crumbling Life-size granite statues of cloaked dwarves. Evil grins can be seen on their weather-worn faces. So you're essentially walking into... So life-size, they're still like like four foot, right? Hmm. <laughs> the, the statues? Yeah. They're like, they're like the size of a dwarf in real life is what you're saying. Life-size granite statues, yeah. Yeah, they're about four foot tall. Okay. But they, they, they kind of are sitting on either side of this door. So you're you're essentially just at like, it's a temple underground. Um, so you're just like in, in the parking lot of this, this church, essentially. <laughs> Off to the side, you hear some ramblings. One person says, uh, who goes there? Bradley Copper, at your service, I call back. Uh, um, make me uh, make me a perception check. You hear some whispering. Perception. That's a plus four. That is 22. These guys, uh, one of them says, uh, you, do you think these are the fellas that, you know, we, we sent for from, from the miners' exchange, uh, the Zenterum? And the other one says, ah, I, I'm not sure. Let's just, we could just ask them. I mean, they're probably punks. We could kick their asses if we needed. Uh, do you call out? I say, pardon me, we're not punks. Are you two dwarves by chance? They walk towards you. You have dark vision as a half-elf. Yeah. Uh, and Quinn can kind of see them in the candlelight. They are, in fact, dwarves, and they do look like miners. Um... One of them is, uh, you know, has this, like, kind of military haircut. His, his arms are huge, just absolutely swollen. The, the whole dude is rippled with muscle. The other is the exact opposite. He's balding. He's, he's kind of chunky, um, saggy. Um, and uh, the, the saggy one kind of calls out and says, uh, uh, My name's uh, Dazlin, uh, uh, and uh, this, is, this is my twin brother, Norbus. And Norbus goes, Al, my name is Norbus. Good to meet you. Are you are you sent from the Zentarum? Um, no. We were sent by the master of Phandalin to come get you to come back to town. There's a dragon around. They kind of look at each other. and Dazlan says, Dragon, uh, uh, that's Christopher Walken, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> dragon. <laughs> dragon, I can't believe it. Uh, he says, uh, he says, uh, Norbus, are you, are you hearing this? I mean, 
Okay, uh, dragon, not so good. Um, well, you came from Phandalin, but... I mean, we already sent for them, but not for you two to bring us back because of a dragon. What? No, we, we have a problem of our own. I need you to make me two history checks, Bradley. One uh, is about the words in Tarim. Uh The other is about... Do you, do you need these about... both to be disadvantaged again? No. No, no, no. Okay. First history check is going to be a dirty 20, Okay. right? Because I get a plus three. And the second history check is going to be a 10. Okay. Uh, I'll say you meet the the DCs for both. So the the Miners Exchange, what they're talking about is in Phandalin. You've walked yeah. past it. You haven't gone inside. So they, they've obviously sent word to Phandalin, just not to Harbin Wester. Um, and they, they're asking for people from the Zentarum, which you know is kind of a shady organization, actually. Um, there are all sorts of guilds and factions within Faerun. The Zentarum... Uh, the Zentarum? The Zentarum. Yeah, they are kind of... They're not evil per se. They're you know them to be more so greedy, and okay. uh, and definitely shady. Not not to be trusted necessarily. Yeah. Um, Norbus uh, speaks up and he says, "Listen, if you're not from the Zintarum, I mean, we haven't even sent word for the Stone Cold Reavers yet, but uh, we need someone. Okay, if you're if you're messengers, then maybe you can't do it, but." We have some some ochres, some jellies within the mine, and they need to be taken care of. We can't do any work in there, you know. So if you could go in there, kill the jellies for us, then maybe we could pay you something. I don't know. What are you two doing in this mine anyway? Uh, it's you're the only two here. What? So t- two things. I'll have them answer that question, and then you're gonna make some more checks for me. Dazzlin says. Uh, he says. Well, yeah, we're, we're we're clearing out the mine. Uh, I mean, that's what that's why we're here. You know, there's all sorts of dwarven artifacts here. You know, people from our bloodline that uh, that are just happen to be long lost and gone. But there's a lot of wealth to be made here, and we we are prospectors. You know, I mean, we're here for a reason to to make some money. And then Norbus just goes, ah, money. So uh, you heard them also say. The words Stone Cold Reavers. What I need from you is a perception check and another history check. Okay. A lot of rolls at the beginning of this one. This is this is a history. Probably the, f- probably the most rolls we've had. And I think I think the rolls that I'm doing right now equate to all of the rolls that I've done previously. So that's going to be... I'm going to say that's my perception. That's a nine... Okay. And then the history is going to be a 13. Okay. Uh, with a 9 perception, you notice nothing. With a 13 history, you have heard maybe telltale of the Stone Cold Reavers. Nothing like the Zentarum. The Zentarum are nationwide organization. Yeah. They're like the Lord's Alliance and the Harpers are two other factions that you know of that help defeat. I know defeat... of the Harpers. Like Thorin knows of the Harpers. Um, right. From a different campaign. Okay, got you. Well, Bradley knows of the Harpers uh, and the Lord's Alliance only that they're good guys because you know they're good guys because they help defeat Tiamat, which yeah. you know, is going to like ruin the world. The Zentarum, you just know, aren't as good of guys. Uh, Stone Cold Reavers, you might have heard that name before. You can't really tell. Definitely not on the tier of the other three. 
Yeah. And the nine perception check, yeah, gets you nothing. Um, well, Dan, go ahead, if please. You're, if you're... Look, why don't you come back with us to Fandolin? And then once you're there, you can go to the miners' guild, the miners' bunkhouse or whatever, and ask them for, you know, backup to come with you so that you're not just stuck out here waiting for these ochre jellies to, you know, dissolve your flesh while you sleep. They and that kinda... way you can have more people come take out these ochre jellies than... You get what I'm saying? No, no, I, I completely get that, Charlie. Um, uh, n- sorry, your name's not Charlie. Uh, is your name Charlie? No, my name is Bradley. Bradley oh, Copper. Bradley. I get that, Bradley. Uh, here's here's my counteroffer. Is that's a long walk for the two of us. We want to get to work as soon as possible. You, uh, I see there. You have a weapon on your hip. Your friend, uh, you, the small child, man. Hey, fuck <laughs> you. No, what? Oh my god. Uh, they, they bicker for a moment. You two look very capable. These jellies need taking care of right here, right now. And we can offer you something that, you know, your pal back in Fandolin, old Harbin Wester, that fat fuck, uh, we can offer you something that he can't, which is some pretty great sending stones. Uh, And Norbus kind of glares at Dazzle and says, I don't... We don't have that many sending stones. You can't just give those away. Shut up. Listen. Uh... Do you know what sending stones are, Mr. Mr. Bradley? I want to say their name gives away their purpose, but please describe them to me. Sending stones come in pairs with each smooth stone carved to match the other, so the pairing is easily recognized. While you touch one stone, you can as use an action to cast the sending spell from it. The target is the bearer of the other stone, so essentially you can telepathically communicate while you're holding a stone and your friend is holding the other. Is there Perfect. a range? Uh, range. I'm guessing sending has a range. I'm going to say uh, 100 feet. I don't know. Uh, decent, okay. decent, decent distance and perfect for a, for a pair of adventurers. Well, we are adventurers. But I'm I mean, not certain we have anything that could harm an ochre jelly. Mr. I mean, Copper... They're made out of this slime, aren't they? Right. Well, you can punch slime to a pulp. At least, if you can't, I'll be the first to do it. <laughs> but also, Mister Copper, you've you've got magic. I guess I just don't. You know, nothing that I have prepared today is all that effective. Well, but it doesn't matter. We we can take them on. We could use some sending stones. You know, telepathic communication would greatly benefit us, especially if you want to get off some good quips in battle. Well, not just that, Mr. Copper. Quinn pulls you to the side. These two guys are, are here to find dwarven relics, which they say are worth a lot of money. If we go in there, we could find some nice, shiny objects for ourselves, you know? Ah, yes. That makes perfect sense. Right, so let's take this job on. All right, I I agree with that. I I I have no qualms with this whatsoever. Quinn looks to them both uh, and kind of happily says, "You got it. We'll take the job." 
the two of you kind of ready yourselves. You've never fought a jelly before, um, but you've killed a mimic and you've killed a manacore, and you're starting to turn into some grade A monster hunters. Yeah, an ochre jelly can't be too hard, right? Yeah. There's a, a small hallway that kind of leads into this temple. It's just a, a foyer, uh, a foyer, uh, however you pronounce it. It's it's quite dusty. You walk through one set of double doors that are that are held open, and there's another set of double doors you're going to walk through. Go ahead and make me a perception check. Perception? I get a plus four to that. I think that's the third time I've stated that this episode. That is 21. Oof. So on your left, there is what was once a room that's now just absolutely filled with rubble. Uh, you're not going to be able to go in there. To your right, it looks like there's just a wall, but with a 21 perception, Bradley Copper feels a slight breeze from this wall. I think there's a hidden passage there. Wow, Mr. Copper. Go check it out. Uh, okay, why? You think it's trapped or something? Well, I... not necessarily trapped, but... Say there's a weight pressure plate. You're going. You're less likely to set off than I am. Hmm. All right. Uh, he goes up to the wall, kind of pushes against it, and you hear a as it slides backwards, and then he's able to push it to the side, and you have found a secret tunnel. Well, Mr. Copper, now there's a giant temple to walk into and a secret tunnel. I mean, which way you want to go? I say let's take the secret tunnel first. Uh, he says, perfect. Uh, I'm also going to say, just because it doesn't really make much sense, that Dazlin and Norbus had a, a torch that they lent to, to Quinn. Yeah, um, yeah. Because him, him whole... holding this can. I mean, the candle only lasts for an hour anyway. So oh yeah, so yeah, it's be gonna like, be melting We'd down. be like halfway through the 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 dungeon, and he would be like, he'd be sol, you know. Yeah, uh, this this is a very skinny secret tunnel. Quinn says, uh, "You want to lead, or you want me to?" I'll go ahead and lead since I have dark vision, or since Perfect. I can see in the dark. Yeah, what's dark vision? Who would word it that way? <laughs> The two of you walk into this narrow tunnel. Uh, it's it's pretty low. The ceilings are pretty low. So you're feeling cramped quite quickly. You kind of round the bend of this tunnel. And just standing there, uh, almost horrifyingly, is this black mass of goo. About four foot wide and four foot tall. It's a perfect cube. Of just this disgusting black icor. Go ahead and roll initiative. Mm. Disgusting. I got a five for my initiative. All right, Quinn got a twelve, but he's behind you. Let's see here. Five. 12, and the jelly got a 3. At the top of the order, Quinn realizes you've stopped 
for some sort of odd reason. He kind of peers past you. Can I, best. as a reaction to seeing this thing, oh, God, because I have a, I have a plan, but I can't, I can't enact it until my turn. So, I, but how do I let Quinn know what my plan is without him getting in the way? Um, I'm gonna say, uh, hmm. Okay, well, what I'm gonna do because I'm a kind and benevolent DM is I'm gonna let Quinn just kind of see the monster and say, uh, Mr. Copper, you're kind of in my way. You're leading this thing. Um, go for it. And he's going to hold his turn. Okay. Cool. So, it's your turn. This thing, oh, I'm going to my turn. Did, did, yeah. did it, it roll less th- than me? It rolled a three. I told you that. God damn. This thing is 20 feet away from you. Uh, 20 feet and away it, from me? And in an odd way, even though it doesn't have a face or eyes, you know it, it sees you. If it doesn't see you, it senses you, and it's it's ready to uh, to glob you to death. You said it's 20 feet away? Yes. Then I'm going to move 10 feet closer to it. Okay. And I'm going to uh, ask Quinn to back up a little bit, if he can. Sure. I'll say I'll say Quinn was. How far does he need to be? He, he needs to be not be in a fifteen. Yeah. I'll say I'll say he was six feet away. Okay. And then I'm going to cast good, good Thunder safe wave. COVID distance. Thunder wave. Okay. This thing needs to make a dexterity or constitution. Constitution. That is a natural eleven plus two is thirteen. It doesn't succeed. Um, and so it takes eight damage, eight, I think it's thunder damage. Yeah, right? it's not It's not lightning. And then it gets pushed 10 feet away from me. Okay. This thing just slides. It kind of leaves a trail of this nasty goo along the floor. Quinn kind of, you just hear a thunk on the ground. He says, spread your legs, Mr. Copper. And you instinctively spread your legs. He <laughs> fires a crossbow bolt only a few inches off the ground, very low, at this thing. And he only rolls a 10. This thing actually has an AC lower than 10, so he hits. Hell yeah. And he deals 8 damage himself as he nice fires this crossbow. So if this were me, this thing would be dead. Uh, nice. Yes. Yes, it would. It's this jelly's turn. It sludges slowly towards you. And it only has 10 feet of movement. You're 20 feet away. So it has to dash just to get in front of you. And that's its turn. So it's it just slow. You're in six seconds. You watch this thing just slowly make its way towards you. It's Quinn's turn again since he held his turn. Yeah. Same move. He fires at it again. Hits. Five more damage. And you have no idea if this thing looks good or not. Uh, it's just a black, gooey, ooey, nasty mass. But it is your turn. Regardless, I'm going to strike it with my mace. All right. That's a 15 to hit. 15 to hit. Hits. That is four points of damage. 
it uh, it's looking worse for wear. You see a little glob of it kind of knock knock off of it its top, and this thing just kind of leans back in an odd way and kind of swings its whole body at you. Uh, that is an eleven to hit you, which is 11 a miss. Does not hit me. Yeah. You ever try to pick up Jello with a spoon? Oh, I thought you were going to say with like my hands. <laughs> no, with a spoon. You kind of move your wrist a little bit, and the Jello flops right off. And there's not like even like a, a smidgen of Jello on the spoon. Like somehow it yeah. just all fell off. That happens to your arm. This thing just kind of slaps onto you and slaps right back off. Um, Quinn stands up and he says. I got an idea. He is going to make an athletics check. Um, you feel <laughs> you feel Quinn's little arms and legs trying to scramble up you. Uh, to, to he was obviously trying to climb either on top of or over you. He kind of slides back down. You feel his his uh, face kind of scrunch up against your butt cheeks for a moment. He kind of stumbles backwards and he says, "Plan didn't work." Uh, he's. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, I, you know what? That that's just gonna be his turn. It's back to you. I say it's okay, Quinn. I have a plan myself, and that plan is to just smack this fucker once more. All right. I am going to. Yeah, I'm gonna try and hit that motherfucker. Four. It's a dirty night. It's a natural nineteen. So. All right. Perfect. And then that does. Uh, five more damage. No, nice. three damage, sorry. Okay. Well, still, you're wearing this thing down. Uh, another another glob of jello pops off of it, and it kind of, its belly now kind of expands outwards and, and tries to hit you right in your crotch. Um, so I know that... this isn't what it's supposed to look like at all, but I'm imagining I'm fighting, like, a giant flubber. Yeah, I mean, similar, definitely similar. Um, and Robin Williams is somewhere scrambling to find it. <laughs> Rest in peace, brother. Okay, this thing actually hits you. And you take... You take nine points of damage. Nine points of damage? Yeah. So it, the force of it hitting you in the crotch just kind of hurts, and then you feel a burning just on your inner thighs, as this thing has left some, left some acidic residue on you. Uh, and, and you realize you are in immense pain as some of your flesh starts to burn. Uh, Quinn, actually, I don't know why I completely forgot about this. He has halfling nimbleness. He can move through you without an action or... or, or or any you know sort of... You know how nice that would have been to, you know, know? Yeah, I'm so sorry. That's that's bad DM. You know what? I'll give him two attacks. He slides betwixt your legs uh, like a pony. He hits twice, and he's about to do 4d4 damage on this guy. What a little... What a little badass dude. Um... Quinn uh, absolutely uh, obliterates this thing. He he moves through it. Um, it just it sprints at the at the at the. What's the word I'm looking for? At the sound. Jesus, I forgot the word sound. <laughs> at the at the sound of your sh- screams of pain, your loyal little sidekick 
uh, dashed through between your legs, uh, like sliding into a base, and, and like you know, right in a home plate. He slides through this thing with his fists extended outwards, and it explodes, and it is dead. Quinn, that was impressive, I must say. He looks up, and he kind of wipes the jelly off of himself, and he says, Mr. Copper, all I've got to say to you is, uh, two to one, baby. Oh, because of the manticore? Okay, okay, I understand. I didn't realize we were keeping count, but... Just just a little bit of rivalry, just, that you know, something fun for us boys to keep track of. Just just a little bit of, uh... Banter, just, a banter. just a little bit of banter between the boys. Yes, yes, of course. So, you see... Uh, off in the distance of this secret tunnel, there is a room uh, that you, I mean, you see a door uh, kind of cracked open, and there's a room straight ahead. Um, what do you do? Um, well, I'm going to make a perception check to see if there are any traps. Okay. Because I... Make me an investigation check, Invest- actually. Yeah, that makes more sense. Investigation. And I'll have Quinn look. Uh, uh, Quinn's going to offer you the help action. Roll with advantage. With advantage? Okay. That's going to be 17. There are no traps. <laughs> nice. Well, Quinn, I, I think there might be some treasure here. If this was a secret tunnel, and this is a secret room... What usually lies in secret rooms? Treasure. Absolutely, Mr. Copper. Onward and inward, I say. You lead. Uh, the two of you swing this door open. The The room you're in is, is partially collapsed. Uh, you can kind of tell that. But in the wreckage of that collapse, there's a faint glimmer of gold as you see the lock on a box of treasure. Jackpot. I don't have any lock picks though. Quinn says, um, let's uh let me just try and punch it. <laughs> I mean it, so what you're looking at is a padlock. Yeah. Uh Bradley has a basic understanding of physics. This lock, uh, with enough force and leverage will open. So you're it's not it's not a lock embedded in the chest, if that makes okay. sense. Okay. So it's just a okay. <laughs> Gwen punches the top of the box, completely missing the lock. All right, <laughs> all right, Mister Copper, it's your turn. You try. I mean, I guess we could smash the box. I don't know about the contents inside, but it would open it for us. I'm going to, I'm going to try. I'm going to try and hit it. I'm going to try and hit it with my mace to see if I can, uh, specifically just the, the 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 lock. I'm going to try and hit. That's a a natural one. And you swung what your mace? Yeah, my mace. You slam your mace into the ground, and your mace is actually now going to have a minus one penalty on it. Are you, you fucking kidding me? You look at it, and there's like a huge dent in the thing like it's like you you pull it back up it's not weighted well now uh your mace just got fucked up and quinn kind of looks and says all right mr copper just just give me a moment here uh he struggles i can take it to the smithian town get it fixed up i have some gold he says 
Great, Mr. Copper. He uh, he goes to the, the chest. It takes him about 30 minutes. You kind of just sit and pout about your mace. Uh, he finally can, manages... Can 30 minutes be counted as a short rest? Can I do some... Oh, absolutely. Let's say it takes an hour. Yeah, yeah. go ahead and take a short rest. Okay. You have two hit die to spend. Because I'm going to do them both. And remember to add your constitution modifier. I think I have a plus zero to my constitution, so... Nice. That's going to be plus seven. Nice. Okay, cool. So you're what, back up to 14 out of 16? Yeah, 14 out of 16. I mean, yeah, that's decent. Yeah. You're not on Death's Door. I mean, I wasn't on Death's Door before, I just... But now you're even le- you're 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 three steps away from Death Store instead of two. Yeah. While you take a quick nap, Quinn messes with this lock. You wake about an hour later to the sound of a satisfying click. You look, Quinn's sweating. Ah, <laughs> uh, 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 yes, Quinn, excellent. You did it. I am very proud of you. He says, "All right, well, let's see, let's see what's in here." He pops open the chest, and inside, you find two things. The first one is three, I know, pretty crazy, three gold coins. And then also, I need you to roll me a D100. A D100. A okay, D100. I'm going to do this on, how do you do, I'm going to do this on the website, so you're not going to be able to hear the die roll, but okay. that is going to be a 44. 44. You find a spell scroll for the cantrip Firebolt. So you will cast that. You will not use your normal charisma modifier. You would use your intelligence because you're using a scroll. I think that's that how that rule works. Maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, someone tweet at me. And Firebolt is 1d10 so fire me, damage. My mace got a dent and you spent an hour and got all sweaty and greasy and grimy, which of course we were going to do that anyway, for three gold and a scroll. Mr. Copper, I don't know what to tell you. It's almost like your your DM used random magic tables to, to determine how much was in here. Uh, it seems like a bit of bad will building on his part, but oh well. Yeah, Mr. Copper, it's almost like he didn't build a world, but he's running a pre-written modular uh, module, as is the entire premise of the podcast that you're on right now. <laughs> he says, sorry, sorry, I think I was just speaking tongues. I don't know what I just said. Yes, I, I'm not... Are you sure you were speaking the common tongue? I didn't quite understand any of that. That was that was all odd. That was all very, very odd. Uh, why don't we keep moving? We got, we got a r- the rest of a dungeon to explore. Yes, let's... <sighs> Alas, no treasure for now. The two of you end up eventually back in the, the temple, temple room. The temple room. Looking around, the, the ceilings are about 20 foot high and flat, which is surprising because this is a dwarven temple. But, I mean, it's huge. It's huge in here. There are these four pillars. Uh, there is no light in here except for the torch that, that Bradley... Bradley's hold. Not your Bradley. That Quinn's what holding. What spell is Firebolt? It's a cantrip. Oh, it's a cantrip? Which literally, you have a hat that lets you try and cast a cantrip. You have a, a hat that lets me do that anyway. Yeah, it wasn't a great find, but uh, <laughs> c'est la vie. Um, I need you to make me a perception check. And there are three different DCs here. 
So you can succeed lots of ways. I got what is I got a plus four to my perception, right? Yeah. So Fifth time nine. you said it. Yeah, Ninth so time you said it. <laughs> I've got a uh, a nineteen on my perception then. Nineteen. Do you want to know? You get to pick two of these things: uh, secret A, secret B, or secret C. Let's go. Let's go. Secret B and secret C. Okay. As you're walking around, you inspect for whatever reason. Maybe you're not even inspecting. Uh, maybe you just happen upon it. One of these pillars, you know, maybe you comically lean against it. There was a small hidden door in this pillar. As you lean against it, it kind of opens up. And 15 bright pink gemstones fall out onto the floor. They scatter across the floor. Quinn looks down at you and he says, Mr. Copper, remember when I was talking about how we might find something a little uh, expensive in here? Yes. Yeah, we might have just found it. Happy day. I'm going to say you... uh, as as is the case. Oh, with the three gold, how much did you add to your inventory? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let Quinn take the three gold. Okay, perfect. Um, well, because you let him take the three gold, he has no idea how much these gemstones are worth. So he gives ten to you and takes five for himself. And since you found them, do I know? Do you know what kind of gemstones they are, so I can add them to my inventory, or do you just want me to write down ten pink gemstones? Uh, these gemstones. Uh, are should worth... I do some kind of should I do some kind of check? I guess. No, don't do a check. We're gonna leave it as a surprise. Um, th- these gemstones aren't magical in any way. That's the only thing you notice. Uh, okay. th- they're just bright and shiny and look like they could be sold for a high price. But I'll I'll let it be a surprise how much you're gonna make off of these until you get okay. back to town. All right. You also figured out secret C. You walk up to this altar, and this altar it's just this you know large rectangular stone altar. You give it a push, just because you've seen a few uh, Indiana Jones movies in your day. It slides backwards, and surely enough, just as you thought it might, it relieves—or not relieves—it reveals a secret staircase leading downwards. Bad news for you: you didn't reveal secret A. An ochre jelly drops from the ceiling. And lands on top of you. Oh, was that dealing? Was the ochre jelly? Yeah, dealing you six points of damage. I need you to go ahead and roll for initiative. Oh, Quinn rolled like shit. Let's hope I roll better. I rolled a thirteen. Thirteen jelly's going first. And what's your HP right now? Eight. It's it's half. All right, you're at eight. Yeah. Got you. Got you. This ochre jelly now just plopped on top of you, sees Quinn just a, a few feet below the stairs, and just kind of awkwardly lunges at him. Uh, misses him. Swings and misses. Quinn kind of reels backwards and, and starts sidestepping this thing, and he says, Mr. Copper, we've got another on our hands. I think it's on my back, not my hands, but that's quite yeah. all right. Wow, good one. What do you do, Bradley? I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and get out from under this ochre jelly. Oh no! It's it's it kind of bounced off of you. Is what I'm saying. Oh, it bounced. It, oh, okay. it lunged. Well, thought, it lunged it at Quinn on top of me. 
No, it launched at Quinn. And now I but sound you, like an you, idiot because... Never mind. Um, well, I'm going to uh, stand up and attack it with my mace. Okay, so minus one penalty for... to your roll. So, like, whatever you would normally add, it. like, if you add a plus five, just add plus four. I got a seven. Seven total? Yeah. If you had had that plus one, it would have been an eight, and it would have hit. Just See, I thought you were taking... I thought when you said minus one, I thought you were taking one off of damage, not one off of the actual... Oh, it's it's both. It's both. Oh, okay. Yeah. No Yeah. No problem. You're welcome. Quinn uh, reels back and tries to punch this thing. Uh, <coughs> Quinn rolled a two. He, uh, <laughs> he squishes his hand into it and back out, and it lunges at him once more. Quinn gets hit. Quinn does not get hit. Quinn's AC is 16, not 15. This thing slaps against him and and bounces back, and it's your turn again. I will not let this damned jelly be the end of us, Quinn. Ah! It's it's not going to hit. What is it? It's a, it was, it's a 4 plus 2, so 6. Mm, rough. Quinn says, you're right. I won't let this be the end of us. Uh, remember, you have Bardic Inspiration you can give out, too. You have a lot of those. Uh, Quinn rolled a three now. So, um, oh, but Quinn adds enough to hit. Even with a three. That's incredible. He does six damage to this thing as finally he connects Impressive. to it. And the Ochre Jelly is not having luck hitting Quinn, right? So it might as well yeah. attack you again. It turns back. I'm gonna say he's at the bottom of the stairs. You're at the top of the stairs. This thing's right in the middle, and and it's not. It doesn't need to turn or anything. It's it just now. It's just swinging towards you instead of towards him. How big is this thing? Four foot wide, four foot tall. So what? So would it be considered small or medium? It is. Huh. It says large ooze. Um, it doesn't say if it's small or medium. Which would you rather it be? I mean, if it's if it says large ooze, and that means it's a, it's a size large. Oh well, then boom, it's size large. That's even so though interesting. It's, um, even anyway, though it's so small. Um, it does. It doesn't matter. Um, you said, did it hit me? No, it did not. It didn't hit me, so it's my turn. I'm going to. <sighs> Oh, I can't give myself bardic inspiration. It says that right there. So I'm going to say to Quinn, Quinn, you seem to be the more competent fighter between the two of us, and I mean that. (laughs) I mean that, genuinely. He says, I agree. And that's my inspiration. (laughs) That's my my bardic inspiration. He's inspired Um, by that. I'm going to try and hit this stupid fucking jelly once more. Okay, finally it's a uh it's a dirty eighteen. That hits. Nice. Fucking finally. It's a six. Six damage. Did you take one off of that too? Yeah, because so I so with my mace I get one D six plus one, so now I'm just doing one D six. Okay. You know what I just realized also? What? I'm gonna roll more damage. Quinn would have hit with a natural two. Mm. When he rolled it before. 
So yeah. he actually has done six more damage to it as well. As, oh, I'm just yeah. struggling as a DM right now about these bonuses, and just I really just need to know Quinn's character better. Yeah, it kind of sounds like it. Yeah, wow, such a piece of shit. It also, also kind of sounds like, you know, it's it's the middle of the night for us right now, so. That's true, it is, it is very late. Quinn hits again, does four more damage to this guy, just punches him one more time. It's the Ochre Jelly's turn. It's going to attack you. And an 11 is a miss. This thing cannot connect since it smushed you. <laughs> so it's back to you. I'm gonna go for it again. All right. I'm getting I'm getting fed up with these fucking jellies. This is the second one. I've only ever had to fight one thing at a time, and now I have to fight two all of a sudden. What the fuck is up with that? That's gonna be a fifteen plus two is seventeen. That's a hit. That's gonna be six damage again. I just rolled for Quinn, and I rolled a natural one, and you. Well, Quinn's a halfling. So he rerolls natural ones. Yeah. He has he has plus six to hit, and this ooze has eight AC. So he really never needed that bardic inspiration. Because if he rolls a two, he hits. If he rolls a one, he rerolls. So reroll. I rolled a two. Plus six <laughs> is a hit, and Quinn does. Seven damage to this thing. It's it's looking messed up, but it's not going down without a fight. Well, if we if we happen to uh, fight a boss within the next ten minutes, it'll be good. Absolutely. This ochre jelly slams into Quinn, finally hitting him. He takes twelve points of damage, knocking him down to seven HP. All of a sudden. Quinn lets out a, a, a brief, ah, Mr. Cooper. Uh, it's it's slapped into his face, and his face is starting to burn with this acid. Oh, fuck. Uh, he, he's beginning to claw at it with his gauntlet. He all of a sudden went from powerful fighter to scared, and he's in need of your help, and it is your turn. I say, Quinn, Quinn, don't mess with it. I'll get it once I'm done with this. And I try to hit the, uh, the, the ochre jelly one more time. Okay. That's, it's a natural one. You kind of just slide your mace down the ochre jelly's side, and the mace begins to erode, and now you're you're looking at this weapon, and it is just about fucking useless. You're fucking with me, right? No. God it, it, damn it. It looks absolutely useless. And Fuck. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say uh, it's got a a minus four penalty to it right now. There's no fucking point in using it. There's literally no point in using it. Bonus action. I'm going to say, Quinn. I know it hurts. I believe in you. I believe that we can overcome this Oka Jelly. I believe that we can overcome the shitty luck we've been having in this dungeon thus far, including but not limited to. My messing up of my own weapon in that shitty ass treasure chest we found. Here you are, and I cast healing word on him. Okay. I'm giving him six HP. Nice. Okay. He, uh, you see some of the acid start to just disappear, and he looks at you, 
gives you a solemn nod and swings a punch. Quinn deals seven damage to this thing. It looks absolutely terrible. There are chunks missing out of it left and right, but it's it's this thing's turn. And before it dies, Bradley, it's going to try to take you with it. Of course it is. That's a natural one. It... Uh, Everybody just has shitty-ass luck tonight. <laughs> it kind of tries to envelop you uh, into this disgusting black ooze of its body. Uh, go ahead and give me a reaction. I'm essentially giving you a repost, a reaction attack against this thing. Okay, I'm going to attack with my dagger. Because... Okay. If I wanted to hit with my mace, I would have a negative, a minus one to hit anyway now. Okay. So, that's a 21 to hit. All right, roll that damage. That's six damage. You rip the dagger uh, into it. If the dagger is slashing damage, I'm going to ignore that and say it's piercing. You pierce through this thing. It just kind of rips into this jelly, uh, whatever life, life, F, whatever life essence this thing had left just completely disappears. You pull the dagger back out and the ooze sinks into a black puddle. A dagger does piercing damage anyway. Perfect. That's good because slashing splits the jellies. You have sunk in this thing, killed it. And Quinn looks at you and he says, that's right, Mr. Copper. Now it's 2-2. Two, two. I'm not even excited. I just kind of look at my fucked up ass mace. And I say, my father had this specially made for me when I told him I wanted to become an adventurer. Oh well. And I just kind of toss it onto the floor. Let's go onward. Make me an insight check. An insight check? On, on Quinn, yeah. Inside, I get a plus three. And perception, I get a plus four, in case anyone was wondering. I rolled a natural one for insight, so... Quinn probably thought that was funny, that you're, that the specially made mace for your dad is gone now. Um, <laughs> that piece of shit. Quinn, Quinn looks at you and he's like, ha ha, fuck your dad. <laughs> that little fucker. <laughs> uh, I say, such as... Such is life, eh? Nothing lasts forever. He kind of nods at that, and, and you see he resonates with that. And he says, you're right, Mr. Copper. Nothing lasts forever. And he, you kind of feel like Quinn gets it. It's like, shit, man. That, you know, so it goes. Yeah. He says, uh, you know, Mr. Copper, or maybe as we'll... The, as the dwarves would say, c'est la vie. Right, oh, I love dwarfish language. The two of you descend down these steps you just found. And you go through a hallway. Were there any other paths in the temple room? There are some other paths. Uh, for the DMs listening who want to run this adventure, they all lead to these collapsed rooms with nothing in them. Um, it's just a big waste of your time and ours. Um, the, the secret tunnel is one thing, um, and then... This secret stairwell leading down is the other that you want to hit. You uh, 
find a skeleton. Uh, it's a dwarvish or a dwarven skeleton in this hallway, um, and there is a holy no. symbol. No, no. Uh, it, it's a dwarven priest. He's in this rotted red leather armor. It looks like he was crushed to death as, as part of this hallway kind of collapsed in on him. But he has a, a, a holy symbol of, uh, of Abathor around his neck. Uh, I should have made you make an insight check for that, but Abathor Insider. is... I mean, sorry, religion. Yeah, I was going to say. Once again, once again, (laughs) That that, uh, that amulet's looking at me kind of funny. I don't know. It is late. Okay, I'll say this. You you recognize Abathor? Make me a religion check. Okay. Four. Four. You don't know what Abathor is. (laughs) Um, I'm going to take the amulet, and I'm going to pocket it. Okay. Um, There's some writing and, on it. And for the for the dwarves though, I'm just gonna give it to them. And say I found this. Um, I figured it's important to you. Whenever we get back to them. Okay. Um, do you speak dwarvish? Do I speak? I might speak dwarvish. I think I do. Because one of my friends is a dwarf. Right. Yeah. Brath. Yeah. Hold on. Fuck. Where would I find that again? Oh, proficiencies in language, duh. Yeah, I speak common, dwarvish, and elvish. Nice. That is very convenient for where you are. On the uh, on the amulet, it, it reads in dwarvish, greed is good. You walk into this, uh, this large underground room um, that you found yourself in from these stairs you found. Uh... In the, in the adventure, uh, for DMs listening, it says to reach this so room, the characters... Here's a question that I have for DMs listening. If none of the players had rolled a perception high enough to find this secret passage, what would you do to counteract that? Hmm. Um, I mean, one thing... Well, so there's... I think... Let's look at this map. There's... There's actually another way to find yourself in here. So you could make them roll two perception checks. Because um, there, there's also a secret door that leads around into a tunnel, yada yada, all the way into there. So that's one thing. I mean, the biggest thing is if you want people to really find something, just make them find it, right? Like, you don't have to yeah. be bound by... You know, you don't have to make them make a perception check at all if you don't want. Or, or get the entire party... Uh, to make the perception check and like yeah, and 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 it, you know if, if someone gets a fifteen, say it, DC fifteen, you did it right. And a fifteen is not that hard to get if you got somebody who's got decent perception. But then also some what, DMs. Uh, what what wise words of wisdom? Glad glad uh, glad you like that. And, and some DMs, you know, they don't mind when people don't find that kind of stuff. It's like oh, you didn't find it. You didn't find everything in the dungeon. Sucks to suck. So, for the DMs listening, this does say uh, in this in this E11 Hall of Greed, to reach this room, the characters must clear away the rubble that seals it off, which takes a single character 40 hours. Multiple characters working together can reduce... 40 hours? Yeah. God so you So, it would take you and Quinn 20 hours. That's just so unnecessary, and I don't like it. That's fucking ridiculous. What the I, fuck? I, I, d- I don't like it at all. So, I'm going to say it takes you an hour. There's some rubble. You clear yeah, it out. I was going to um, say, I'd, I'd be like halfway through that shit. I would Bradley would definitely be like, is is this worth it? Yeah, <laughs> Should exactly. Should we even be doing this right now? 
So there's an alco- alcove in the south wall of this large hall you find, and it has a the rubble of a shattered statue within it. An alcove to the north holds a statue of a dwarf with horns, and it's staring at a glowing green gem in its hand. I need you to make me an insight check. So an actual insight check this time, not a... Insight, actual insight. Okay. That's going to be 20, not natural. 20. The insight on this thing is the dwarf is looking at this gem with greed in its eyes. It's a statue, but you, you know whoever carved it. The expression they wanted to convey was greed off of this thing's face. And you also remember reading greed is good on that uh, that amulet. So now what you have to piece together, Bradley, is is greed good in the way that you should try and take that gem? Or is greed good in the way that that dwarf is greedy and therefore his greed of his gem that he's holding needs to be left alone? And Quinn looks at the gem and says, Mr. Copper, that looks to be about, I don't know, three times as much as the gem we already found. Yes, but the question is, should we take it? Well, uh, if my understanding of dungeons is at all educated, the pros to taking it would be it's worth a lot of money and we could sell it. The cons would be it's a trap and we die. Yes, yes, that would be that. You know that that from a very black and white standpoint, that makes that would make sense. Uh, that's pretty good game design. But what of the real world implications here? Why do the dwarves have this statue? Should we go ask them? They might not know nothing about it. Yes, yeah, was a hidden passage. I mean, they Can said I? they couldn't even excavate the place because of the jellies. You know. Can I do a an investigation or a perception or something to see if there are any jellies around? Yeah, absolutely. If you're looking for jellies, make me perception. If you're tr- checking to see if the statue is trapped, make me investigation. Is there? Can I do both, just like one after the other? Yeah, absolutely. I'll say though, uh, I'll say though, taking that time, if there is a jelly in here and you didn't notice it, it would definitely attack you. Well, I'm I'm gonna go perception first okay i got a 21 and sorry what's your perception bonus oh it's a plus four i don't know if you knew that no it's perfect 21 um there is not a single jelly in here there were only two in this entire dungeon and you cleared it oh wow cool so invest oh fuck he dropped dropped my die he dropped his die sorry so investigation a nine probably not trapped why am i doing so well on these (laughs) rolls that end up not fucking mattering you know what with a nine it's like oh god it's so tempting it's it's like almost no 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 don't 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 do it don't do it this is the experience (laughs) quinn quinn looks at you and says are are we gonna go for that gem or no i am going to Walk up to the statue. Would you consider this gem secured? Within the hand? Yeah. 
not particularly. You see that all, all the fingers of the statue are kind of cupping it, not not wrapped around it. Okay, then I'm going to cast Thunderwave um, to knock the gemstone out of the hand of this dwarf. Okay, you cast it. The gem breaks free from the statue. In an instant, you see the gem crumble to dust. The statue shakes in less than a second. It explodes. I need you to make me a dexterity saving throw. Okay. Dex save. I'm proficient in those, so let's hope I do well. I didn't. I got a seven. What was Bradley's HP before he walked in here? It was eight. The gem fades to dust. Quinn leaps back from startlement. The statue explodes into shatters and and daggers of stone. They tear across your face and chest as Bradley takes 18 points of damage. Hits the ground and everything goes black. Modular is Thorin George as Bradley Copper, and Luke Job as our DM. The story you heard today as well as 99% of the characters were created by Wizards of the Coast and can be found in the module Dragon of Icespire Peak. Our music today was written and performed by Max Hedman. You can find Max's music anywhere you listen to your music, and you can find his website link in the description of this episode. You can follow us on Twitter at ModThePod, join our private Facebook group at the Modular Podcast Fan Club, Follow us on Instagram at The Modular Podcast and subscribe to us on YouTube at The Modular Podcast. Here's a quick shout out to Balin Burleson, Raven Walker, and Megan Sussman, who all follow us on Twitter. And if you want a shout out just like them, maybe you should follow us on Twitter too. Really though, it, it would mean a lot to us. If you like the show, please just tell one person that you know. Tell a friend, tell a family member, someone you know that likes Dungeons & Dragons, and maybe they would be interested in listening to this show. Because right now, we are pouring our hearts and souls into this thing, and we just want people to like it. And so if you like it, share it to someone you like, and then the likes just keep liking until they're all liked out. New episodes come out every Tuesday, and until then, thank you for listening to Modular.